0: Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real Life Messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper.
1: Part of this subtle deception is the devil loves to counterfeit, to take something that God has made or given us that's really good and he puts up something that looks like it, sounds like it, feels like it, tastes like it, but it isn't the real thing. It's a counterfeit. Example, you may have a husband or wife who lets you know when you're going the wrong direction and God brings two people together. To do that for each other, I mean, that's part of marriage. I mean, so to keep you both going the same direction, but along comes a man or woman who says, oh, honey, whatever you want, whatever you want, and you think to yourself, well, well, I like that. Well, guess what? You just met the devil's counterfeit because that person isn't from God. It's not God's choice. It's not the person God wants in your life. And you have choices. You can accept the counterfeit or know the counterfeit and reject the counterfeit, see? The devil will counterfeit. Here's the big one. A relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, a truly saving relationship. And he will counterfeit a real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ for for what we call, or with what we call religion. This is a religion relationship issue because religion really looks good on the outside. It really, really looks good. And it's a counterfeit for a true relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And people will say, because I'm involved in this religion, I'm going to heaven. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says this, that God created us with the vacuum in us. He, he created us not only physical beings, he created us spiritual beings. And so somewhere along the line of a person's life, people are gonna have a spiritual hunger because we are created spiritual beings and they will seek something spiritual and the devil's gonna put all kind of counterfeits in their path. You know, when I thought about counterfeits, I thought about these angel figurines. And I was gonna say, if you have angel figurines, give them to a garage sale, but then I thought, no, you shouldn't give them to a garage sale because then you'd be promoting this lie of religion i mean what are angels i mean what are angels are powerful spirit beings right and they have no bodies by nature and when angels do appear in scripture what two words do they say fear not (laughs) fear not why because they come in brilliant light they blow you away angels are god's servant and god's word man they reject all focus on themselves they reject all worship of themselves they direct all worship to god But devils just love it when you buy all these angel figurines. It's just a counterfeit. The devil will put anything spiritual before people, man. He'll give you a counterfeit. He'll, He'll give you religion for a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is one of the devil's most dangerous lies, the lie of religion. He can have us believing, I go to church, I was baptized, I go to communion, I go to confession, I repeat the rosary and all these other prayers. See, these are all things you do, and you fall into that trap of trying to earn your way to heaven, which can't be done. I want to tell you about Bruce, and that's not his name, but I won't go into all the stuff that Bruce was into. Just tell you that he was the father of three children by three different women. And that doesn't even scratch the surface of all the bad stuff Bruce was into. His mom and dad had divorced when he was only eight years old. His mom remarried a couple of times, and she married bad guys, and, and the, the Bruce really had no role models. But here's something else, he also, he, he was never part of a church, a Christian community, so Bruce also had um, no religious baggage. And when he heard the message of the cross, that the father would send his son, he was drawn to the fatherhood of God. I mean, the fatherhood of God just just gripped this guy's heart. See, God is a loving father. And the next thing followed, that the father had a son. And he, the father, sent his son to die for him, Bruce. And the son was actually willing to die for someone who had lived the kind of a life Bruce lived. Now, I don't want to give you the wrong impression. It's not always easy. But that guy was easy to lead to Christ because he had no religious baggage see and i compare that or contrast that to this one family i knew who they attend the church and it's one of those denominational churches that's way 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 out in left field they are homosexuals and they have more female pastors than male pastors and some of these female pastors are declared lesbians and and they deny that the bible is the truth of god's word and say you can believe anything you want anyway anyway the dad in this family was the Finance chairman of this church and mom watched over the nursery of that church and their parents had gone to that church And they were all baptized as infants received a first communion been confirmed and yet you walk into their home And there's not one religious picture. There's not one Book that's Christian nothing that says this is a Christian home nothing And they will talk about their church and what they do there. But when you raise the issue of Jesus Christ, they will listen politely and change the subject, or they will say, well, there's good in all religions, or some nonsensical thing like that. And if you dare suggest, if you dare suggest that, they, that, that, that they're not saved, I, I, I believe they would ask you to leave and not come back. See, Bruce was easy. He had no baggage. This family and tons like them have bought the devil's counterfeit religion for a true relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that family carried all this baggage. It's religion. See, salvation comes because you trust the Lord Jesus Christ. You rely on Him, and hear me, folks, you rely on Him and nothing, nothing but His perfect work in going to a church and participating in the life of a church, being baptized, receiving communion, serving where you use your gifts, growing in the Word. This is all stuff you want to do. You want it. I mean, it's the desire of your heart. I mean, never, ever, ever, ever would you, would you hold that religious stuff before God as your ticket to heaven. And there are millions and millions and millions and maybe even billions of people who have believed this lie of religion, who have bought the counterfeit and trust their religious works one of Satan's most dangerous lies I just want to show you the lie of religion and God's Word and that's in in John chapter 9 See, Jesus heals a blind man, a man blind from birth. And remember how he spit into the dirt and he mixed this pasty mud and he put it in the guy's eye and said, go wash it off. And the guy washed it off and the blind guy came back and he could see for the first time in his life. And you could see this guy rejoicing. <laughs> and I tell you, he can see he's overcome with beauty and simple things in the world around him. I mean, you see this guy just rejoicing at, at, at his newfound sight. I mean, what, what, what should you and I be feeling? I mean, we should be feeling joy. You know what I watch once in a while? I watch these kids in Special Olympics. You know, I watch this wheelchair race, You know, I look at those faces, and I see these kids You know, in this wheelchair race, and they're just about to cross the finish line. They get a red or a blue ribbon, and man, I just see the joy in their face and the glee in their faces, man. That's the biggest deal in the world. And I want to jump into the TV, and I want to go hug these kids, man. I want to go hug them, and I want to cry with them and laugh with them. I mean, that's how these people should have felt when this blind man received his sight. Not the Pharisees, man. Not the, they, they were the religionists of the day. It's John 9, beginning in verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Listen, now the day in which Jesus had made, the blind, had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. And therefore the Pharisees also asked him, and they, they asked the man how he had received his sight. And the man replied, he put mud in my eyes, and I washed it off, and now I see... And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. This man, Jesus, is not from God because he worked on the Sabbath. So they said, Jesus kept, Jesus didn't keep the Sabbath. And you see, God never made a law like that. I mean, God gave us the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And God said, kind of lay off the work that day because I really want you to get in touch with me and connect with me and worship. And you really need some time to, to slow down and unwind and spend some time with your family and do a couple of things you enjoy. You really need that. You really need that. kind. Of, so it's a very practical commandment. But God never said you can't work on this, you can't, you can't help other people on the Sabbath. What happened is over the centuries, the Jewish rabbis kept adding one rule after another to God's real law. Do this, don't do that, do this on the Sabbath, don't do that, you know, all that stuff. And by the time Jesus came out on the scene, all these, these rules were, were there as, as traditions and people honored them just like they honored the law of God. And so these Pharisees watched this guy overcome with joy and gratitude. And for them, it's a bad thing. It's a bad thing, not a good thing. Uh, This Jesus is not from God. He broke our religious law, which was not a law from God, but it's a law of men. And they called Jesus a sinner. I think about Jesus on Palm Sunday as he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And before he rides down the hill into Jerusalem, he's on an elevation, he's on a hill. He just stands there. I got a picture of this. It's very meaningful to me. He stands there. And looking at the people going in and out of the temple. And the tears are coming out of his eyes. You just see, you just see the glistening on his, uh, beneath his eyes. And he's crying. He's weeping over Jerusalem. Why? He sees all these people going in and out of the temple, offering their animal sacrifices, doing religion. They walk in with an animal sacrifice. They walk out, okay, done my duty. All done. That's, that's religion. And he wept. Because religion couldn't save them. And there was so much more for these people. I really think that's what broke Jesus' heart. That's why I wept. There was so much more for these people. He wanted a relationship with these people. You know, I look at Matthew, Matthew 23, where Jesus really gets on the case of the Pharisees. In Matthew 23, 25, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites. Listen to this. You clean the outside of the cup. You look so good on the outside, but inside... You're full of greed and self-indulgence. And then he says, blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup, and then the outside will also be clean. But did you get those words? Blind Pharisee. All this religion is blinding you. It's deceptive. It's subtle deception. Devils love it. It's blinding you to a true relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, here's some... um, some thoughts on the devil's lie the devil's counterfeit that religion or religious activity can somehow save you thought number one we have to look inside folks you got to look inside then you got to do some self-examination and paul tells the corinthian church to do that very thing this is first corinthians 13 chapter 6 first corinthians 13 verse 5 just listen to this listen to this examine yourselves now listen examine yourselves look in your heart to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Don't you realize that Christ Jesus is in you, unless of course he's not and you fail to test. Now let me read this again, this is God's command. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Don't you realize that Christ Jesus is in you, unless of course you fail to test. And we think if I do the right religious stuff, I, I, I score points with God. This is exactly how we think. I do the right religious stuff and I score points with God. And Paul's, you know, Paul's asking his Corinthian congregation and me and you to examine ourselves and ask, what are you trusting for heaven? Do I think I'm scoring points with God when I worship? Do I think I'm scoring points with God? Or do, or do I worship God because he is so worthy of worship? I mean, why do I do this? You've got to ask yourself. I really want to get together with other believers and raise my voice in song. Or, or I want to be in a small group and have believing friends because I'm out there in the world. I'm, I'm out there in a world of, with a lot of worldly stuff and these, these believing friends keep me on the right track. It's, it's, not something I do to, it's not something I do to score points with God. I want to be baptized because God's Word says, repent and be baptized. I'm not scoring points with God. This is an obedience thing. I want to help and bless other people because Jesus Christ freed me from myself and self-concern, and I'm not doing any of this to score points with God. See, you got to look inside. you got to look inside, and you tell yourself, I could never, ever score enough points to guarantee my salvation. But Jesus Christ scored those points. He lived perfectly for me. He died to pay off my sins. The Father in heaven who sees hearts, folks, sees my heart. And here's some deep theology when i put my faith in christ and have a relationship the father in heaven gives me the righteousness of jesus christ he literally gives me the perfect righteousness of jesus christ and that means when i die angels angels take me they escort me to heaven and the father says welcome to this beautiful perfect home i prepared for you so look inside what do you trust jesus christ and christ alone Or do I have to kind of help God out with all my religion? And I'll tell you something, when you start asking questions like that, devils get nervous. They don't want you to ask those questions because they want you to try and score points with God. They want your eyes off God's grace. They want you to create a system of arithmetic that says, I build up so many points with God. Here's thought number two. Religion can lead us to be very legalistic and rule-based at the expense of mercy. Let me say that again. If you're into religion, it can make you... I don't know, very legalistic. I, did you, you just see that in John 9? I mean, this guy comes back. He, he washed the mud off in the pool of Siloam. And this guy's grabbed, yeah, I mean, he sees for the first time. and He's grabbing everybody and hugging them. He puts their faces between his hands. He says, you're beautiful. They may not be beautiful, but he says, you're beautiful. It's the first time I saw him. And, um, and the religiousness, man, 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 they're aggravated. They say, this man can't be from God. He's a sinner. I mean, he broke our, this man who healed him can't be from God, he's a sinner. He broke our Sabbath law. Again, not God's law, but man-made Sabbath laws or traditions. I read these um, Christian magazines, and, and one magazine said, you know what the biggest cause of church conflict is? And the biggest cause of church conflict is people holding on to their traditions. They don't want to give up their traditions. They say, this is how we've always done it. And I think to myself, man, I never want to be that inflexible. I mean, I mean, listen, there's some good traditions. But I get serious in prayer about being inflexible and, and, and holding on to something that's not working and saying, this is the way I've always done it. And religion will do that to you. And I pray, I say, God, don't let me get, don't let me get into such a rut that everything has to be the same. I mean, you want to bring something good into my life, something that's new and better and good, that'll enrich me and enrich other people, then please, Father in heaven, help me to listen and help me to be ready to change. I don't want to be that inflexible. Now listen, we got to submit everything to God's Word. You don't just change for change's sake. I mean, if the change you want to make doesn't fly with God's Word, then you don't change. Thought number three about the devil's counterfeit. Religion instead of relationship. Religion can lead to mechanical, dutiful practice of your faith. Again, it can lead to mechanical, just dutiful, going through the motions, get it out of the way, practice of your faith. And I just go back to um, Luke chapter 9, verse 41, where Jesus stood over the city of Jerusalem. And it says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace but now it's hidden from your eyes he cried over the mechanical religion of the jews and i believe he cried like i said because he was saying there's so much more if you knew me if you just knew me if you just had a relationship with me there'd be so so much more See, the attitude of mechanical religion infiltrates all areas of, our, of your life. Now, I know some of you, some of you go to work mechanically. You do that. I know that. And, and you don't like to go, but you do it, and you do it dutifully because you need the job, you're grateful for the job, and, and, and they need you to do what you're doing. And that's good. I mean, that part of duty is good. But, but in that same old stuff, let me ask you this, and I, I really try and practice this in my life. In the same old, same old... Do you look for challenges? Do you look for new challenges? Do, do, do you look for things in that same old thing and just say to yourself, uh, what little thing, what, what little thing can I do today that's gonna challenge me at work or at home or whatever? Am I gonna look for opportunities to serve people? Am I gonna look for opportunities to put something special into their lives where I can be challenged, where I can add value to people? I mean, if oh, folks, if we could only look at every circumstance like that and do it with joy and do it with passion. And the more you do it with joy and the more you do it with passion, the more that's gonna become real. You'll see it differently. Folks, I wanna have a passion in my soul. I don't wanna live my life mechanically. I don't wanna worship God and do God things mechanically. Oh, God spare me from that. Jesus weeps over that stuff. I don't want God to become stale and old. I'd weep at that too, man, I'll tell you. My God is power. He puts real joy into my life. I'm never a loser in Jesus Christ never I mean pray for that zeal every day until you get that sense of zeal in you pray that God our Father you got to pray for this would never let you get into mechanical religion that he'd always put that fire in your heart and that passion for him so it never goes out and that passion leads me to the last thought about religion versus a relationship with jesus christ how do you know you're not into religion how do you know that and that you do really have a personal saving relationship with jesus christ and i'll ask people that question you know the first thing they're going to say oh because i talk to him like i talk to a friend and that's okay i think sometimes we can get so friendly with jesus christ we lose that sense of awe that's part of it I mean, that's 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Doesn't 1 Thessalonians 5.17 say pray continually or pray without ceasing? Yeah. So you're talking to God all day. You're talking to him like a friend. But here's what I think is a bigger deal about if you know you have a relationship with the Lord. I mean, it's easy to talk to God all day, but it's more difficult. It's more difficult to cut a swatch of time out of every day and say, this is my time alone with you. Now that shows, that denotes a relationship. Now, if you're not doing that, then I would think, I would think to myself, maybe, you know, you, you better, you better think about that. Are you really in relationship with Jesus Christ or is this all mechanical, see? Because if I love somebody, if I love my wife, man, I'm going to find time to be alone with her. If you love somebody, you're going to find time to be alone with that person because you want to build that relationship. You're going to cut that swatch of time out and you're going to be alone with that person just to get to know them, see? And the Father in Heaven will notice those efforts, man, and He appreciates them. I, it's important to talk to the Lord all day. I do that. I talk to the Lord all day. I mean, I hear about somebody who has a problem. And right then and there, man, I'm going I'm to go before the Lord's throne. I'm going to pray for him right there and that, That's important. But here, here's something else, too, folks. Prayers need to mature. They need to mature. Any love relationship, we're talking about relationship now, any love relationship matures. And a maturing prayer life hear me now a maturing prayer life means you pray less for stuff you pray less for health and healing you pray less for all that stuff and you pray more and you trust god for that and you pray more for character more for humility more for the power to love like christ more for truth and honesty and stuff like that do you find your own prayers maturing see And that growing maturity means there's not just a relationship there, but there's a deepening relationship. And you want your relationship with the Lord to deepen. So prayer is one way to know you have a relationship with the Lord. How do you know you have a relationship with the Lord? That's just not religion. Prayer, this one, John 14, 23. Dead giveaway, folks. Are you in relationship with the Lord? John chapter 14, verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Hey, get that. Jesus says when you choose to obey God the Father, the Father and he, listen now, will make their home with you. Who's in your home? Your family. And there's intimacy in a family and jesus says if you love me you will obey me and my father and i together we're going to come and and we're going to make our home with you and that's family and that's intimacy and that's relationship when you choose to love me and obey me and deny yourself and deny your flesh and obey god that's the giveaway that you have a relationship with the living god jesus home ministry was denial of self And when you deny yourself, you are more in relationship with Jesus Christ than, you know, than all these these, these heartfelt prayers. I mean, you got all these, oh, Lord, I love you so much, you know. Do God's will and deny yourself or serve yourself, see. I mean, Christ denied himself. He he denied himself heaven. That's who he is. It's all self-denial, man. He denied himself the glory of heaven, came to this earth. That's what Christmas is all about. I mean, he denied himself personal comfort. 2 Corinthians 8 9, he was rich, God's word says, yet he became poor that through his poverty, you and me might become rich. And when you deny yourself, like I said, you are more in intimate communion with God than any other time of your life. I mean, listen, people talk about being intimate with God. You want an intimate relationship with God and you're not feeling it, you know, and you pray, you know what? Instead of buying what you want and don't need, Why not deny yourself and not buy it? That's better than any intimate prayer. That'll show God, you know, God, I want to use this. I I, want to use this to grow your kingdom. I'm not going to buy this. I'm going to help somebody else with this money. That's intimacy with God. That denotes a relationship, man. Intimacy with Jesus Christ happens when you deny yourself what you want to say and you just bury it, you squelch it for somebody else's feelings. It happens each time that you put somebody else's needs before what you want, see? Anytime you choose to deny yourself, both the Father and the Son see that, and they make their home with you. That's God's word, that's John 14, 23. We talk so much about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. No no self-denial, no sacrifice, no intimacy just remember that no self-denial no sacrifice forget it you're not in relationship with God there's gonna be no yeah I guess you are but it's shallow if you can't deny yourself see no self-denial no sacrifice no intimacy and the more self-denial the deeper the intimacy because you're getting at the very nature of Christ himself people please hear me denial for the sake of the gospel and Christ himself gives birth to a deeper intimacy there's just one more sign one more we're done here and that's when I take that time every day to study the Word of God and I just get these, these enlightened experiences and I'll, I'll, I'll read that stuff, man. I'll just, I'll just look at that Word of God and I'll say, man, I never saw that in God's Word before and, and God reveals truth to me. I mean, that's the best part of my day. Now, I just love that when God does that to me but I got to get my face into that Word of God and have the discipline to know that and study it, man. I'll tell you,
0: Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.